Good morning. Now, as just before we start, I'd like to invite you all now to open up your Bibles as we read Psalm 67. To the choir master with stringed instruments, a psalm, a song. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Would you all bow with me one more time in prayer this morning? Father, I thank you for this opportunity now that we have to hear from your word. And Lord, I just ask that this morning that you would use me, that your word would be spoken to these people accurately and faithfully. And that for the people here listening, that you would have their hearts to be open to hear your word this morning. That you would change us, that you would transform us by the power of your spirit. Father, now I'd just like to thank you for the time that we've already spent together in singing your praises. And I thank you for the music team. And would you help us to continue to glorify your name here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So has anyone here ever been forgetful? perhaps maybe forgetful of a good time in your life. For instance, I can remember back in 2013, I went down to the USA Cup to play soccer with my soccer team. And, you know, that was a really fun trip, even though we we lost every game, but that's besides the point. I can think back about the fun times that were had with the team, the good times we had playing soccer, the relationships that were built. And overall, it was just really fantastic. I loved it. It was one of the best trips I've ever been on. But there are a few times in the busyness of life that I take that time to remember. You know, I don't go in my day and think back about that trip. And that's okay. You know, that is just a vacation. It doesn't really have a huge impact. But as a Christian, I find that I also sometimes forget to remember things about God. Things like who he is and what he's done for me. And I don't think I'm alone in this. It's so easy, especially here, for us to get wrapped up in the busyness of life that as we proceed through our many tasks every day, we forget about God. We forget about the truths of the gospel, about who he is. And I find that when this happens, God doesn't get the glory he deserves and we, that we're often unhappy. But wouldn't it be great if in and amongst the hustle and the bustle that we could be filled with joy and gladness in knowing God and remembering the things that he's done, ultimately giving him the glory that he deserves, and having our hearts full of joy in knowing him. I hope that Psalm 67 this morning can be a nice reminder for us that we can know God and we can remember his greatest blessing and how we can glorify him. So in the Old Testament, there's a lot of poetry, and in poetry, structure is important. So for our psalm today, I don't know if you picked this up, but there's kind of like an hourglass structure 
where there's verses 1 and 2 on the top, 6 and 7 on the bottom, and then verses 3 and 5 a little bit closer to the middle. And then in verse 4, there's that kind of main point in the middle where these verses all converge together, where we see that main image. And I think, yes, there's the picture on the screen there. So what we see here and why it's kind of broken up like this is that we see verses 1 and 2 and 6 and 7, they talk about blessing and also the purpose of God's blessing. Then verses 3 and 5 are identical and give us a picture of the, na- or the peoples praising God. And then verse 4, we see just a little bit more with the nations praising God and exactly what that looks like. And we get a further look at what the psalmist's desire is. So just remember that as we go through the text today that we're going towards this middle point, this main image, and this main idea. So starting at verse 1, there is an us. There's an us here that asks for God's blessing. And this is a communal blessing they ask for. That's, that's kind of the point here. This isn't just one guy asking God to bless him. This is the nation of Israel gathering together to ask God to bless them. And the title tells us that this is a song that was meant to be played with stringed instruments, which just furthers this point that this was a communal thing. We can't necessarily be 100% sure of the historical context But what we know is that Israel wants God's blessing. And the way that they want God's blessing is for God to make his face shine upon them. See, here we see something else that's important in Hebrew poetry. It's parallel lines. And the way that these often work is that the second line will tell you some kind of new additional information about the first. So in verse 1 we have, May God be gracious to us and bless us that is parallel to make his face shine upon us. And what that second line is telling us, that new little bit of information, is how God can bless Israel. God can bless Israel by making his face shine upon them. And Israel can be blessed by knowing God and seeing who he is. But to understand why they wanted God's blessing, we can read on to verse 2. It says, That your way may be known on earth. Your saving power among all nations. So the, that here is connecting both the verses. And again, we have these parallel lines. We see that God's way is parallel to his saving power, and that no one on earth is parallel to among the nations. So again, that new little bit of information that the second line tells us about the first is that God's way is to save. And specifically, his way is to save the nations, to save all people. Israel asks for God's blessing so that the nations may know God's power to save them. Let me say that one more time. Israel asks for God's blessing so that the nations may know God's power to save them. And this idea of God intentionally blessing Israel is not something that's new in the narrative of Scripture. This is throughout the whole thing. Particularly in Genesis 12, 1-3, God says to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. See, here God is telling Abraham that his descendants are going to be the great nation of Israel, and that He will bless them. He promises that. But he will bless them so that they will be a blessing. 
They will be a blessing to others, a blessing to the nations, where all families on earth shall be blessed from Israel. And see, this is what Israel's prayer is. It's a request for God to bless them so that those around them, so that the nations can be blessed. And their prayer and also God's promise to Abraham, that was fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus came to the world through Israel. He came as an Israelite, and through him, all nations can be saved. And through him, all nations can now be blessed by having a redeemed relationship with God, free from the slavery of sin. And we can see this connection between Jesus and God's promise in Luke 2, 8-23. It says, Simeon took Jesus up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. You see, Jesus was the blessing and is the blessing that God's saving power would be known among peoples. Not just to the nation of Israel, but to all the nations, to us here today. And we can read this psalm in light of Jesus' coming. We can think about God's faithfulness because we know that Jesus came. But historically, the people who wrote this psalm would not have known that yet because Jesus hadn't come. But Israel could still have hope. They could still have assurance that God would be faithful and that God would bless them. He would fulfill his promise. See, they remember this in verse 6, that God has blessed them through yielding, the earth yielding an increase. In Leviticus 26, 3-4, it says, If you walk in my statutes and observe my commandments and do them, then I will give you your rains in their season. And the land shall yield its increase, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. So when the psalmist here says that the earth has yielded its increase, he is remembering God's faithfulness. He is assured that God will fulfill his promises, that they are going to happen. That there will be a day when all nations can know God's saving power, not just Israel. For it says, God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. He is sure. And if you're reading this, perhaps in a different translation today, you might notice that some of the verb tenses are a little bit off. Some of them translated in the past, maybe some in the present. And that's because the Hebrew verb tense, in this instance at least, is kind of hard to translate over to English. So, but regardless of that, the main point of God's faithfulness, that doesn't change. No matter what translation you're reading in, no matter what that tense is in, God has blessed Israel. He blesses them in the present, and he would bless them in the future. And that's the same for us. See, God doesn't change, and the fact that his faithfulness is his attribute, then we can be sure that God follows through in his promises, that his faithfulness will be the same at the beginning, in the present, and even till the end. God is faithful. And as we saw in verse 2, verse 7 tells us the purpose of the blessing. That all the ends of the earth would fear him. That the people would be in awe of him. 
that they would be awestruck by a God who saves, by a God who blesses, and by a God who is faithful. So how should we respond? How should the peoples respond? Well, let's read the first three and five. Let all peoples praise him. Let's praise him. And here we see that image of what the psalmist's desire is. We're getting a little bit closer to the middle. He wants to see God glorified and all peoples praising God. For it is God who saved Israel and rescued them for Egypt. And it is God who would later send his son into the world. All people should praise him for his saving power. And then even going a little bit closer to the middle, now in the middle in verse 4, we get a more in-depth picture of this, a more in-depth view of what the psalmist's desire is. He tells us how the people should praise God, how the nations can praise and sing to him. And I love that this isn't just some kind of, you know, going through the motions kind of singing, that this is singing full of joy and gladness. Let the nation sing in joy and gladness. And we can, we can do that. For us here today who know of God's saving power, we can sing like this. And we should. And this is a really great thing. I think Charles Spurgeon gets this really well when he talks about joyful singing. What a sweet word is that to sing for joy. Some sing for form, others as an amusement, but to sing from the heart because overflowing joy must find a vent. This is to sing indeed. How great would it be if we could come here on Sunday and just sing to God because our hearts are just so full of joy in knowing him and that our singing would just be a vent that we could just sing to God in full praise for who he is. See, the main point here is that God deserves all our praise and singing, for he is a great and wonderful God. God deserves all our praise and singing, for he is a great and wonderful God. For he judges the peoples with equity, and he guides the nations upon earth. These are the direct reasons that the text gives us to sing to God because they tell us more about who God is. He is a righteous and just judge, and he judges all peoples fairly with equity. For all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned, and God punishes sin because he is just, because he is holy. But see, he's, he's the God whose way is to save. So he also provided a way that the nations could be saved through faith in Christ alone. And that doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter if you're Jewish, American, man or woman, child or senior. If you have faith in Christ, then you have been saved. Because God provided a way. And notice, not only is he a righteous God, He is a God who is capable and he cares enough to guide us, to guide the nations. He is a guide in the same way that a shepherd guides his sheep. Just like in Psalm 23 when David says, The Lord is his shepherd and he leads him among the still waters and leads him in paths of righteousness. God guides us. 
So how is he great and wonderful? Well, the psalm tells us four things. It tells us that his way is to save. It tells us that he is faithful, that he is a righteous and just judge, and that he guides the nations. So again, what, what do we do? We praise and we sing to him. Before we leave this morning, we're going to sing It Is Well. And it's such a great hymn. And I want to challenge you to sing it this morning with joy, thinking about who God is and the truths that these lyrics remind you of. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roar, whatever my lot you taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but in the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. See, the psalm is a prayer with the desire to see the nations giving God glory. But it's also a prayer of thanksgiving because God is faithful. There is hope and assurance for these people that one day God would be, that God would fulfill his promise, that all the ends of the earth, including us now here today, would know him and that we would sing praises to him, that we could be in awe of a God who saves, who is faithful, who blesses, and who loves. So this is a prayer of God's people asking for this to happen but it's also a prayer of thanksgiving because they know it is going to happen. So how can we apply these truths to us today? How does this affect how we go on to live, you know, after the sermon, once we go on to lunch, once we prepare for the busyness of Christmas? Well, I think we have to praise God and be joyful and glad in life as we praise him because we have been eternally blessed by Christ. We are a part of the nations which have been blessed through God by the gift of his son. We've been blessed through Israel. And if you're not a Christian here today, I just want to take the time now to encourage you to take some time and think. Think about your own life. Think about joy. Think about who God is. If you know anything about Jesus, think about that. And if you have questions, then please find somebody around you and ask them your questions. Find me afterwards and ask me your questions. But for those of us who are here today and are Christian, that we've put our faith in Christ, that we know God's saving power, that means we have received the ultimate blessing, the ultimate blessing of Jesus. But how does that affect me, as I go grocery shopping, as I go do my many things in life. Well, it means in whatever circumstances we face that we can have hope. Whether we're in struggles of life, such as a family friend or a person in your family has died, whether that be financial difficulties, marriage difficulties, 
problems at school, problems at work. Perhaps there's just this one sin in your life that you can't get rid of that just keeps coming back. I want to tell you that because of Christ, we can have hope. Romans 8 tells us that when you are in Christ, that there is nothing, not life, nor death, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything in all of creation that can separate us from the love of God. We are loved, we are saved, and we have been blessed by God through Jesus. And there's nothing that we should give enough power to in this world to rob us of the joy that we can have in God. And that includes our busy schedules. Especially now approaching Christmas, maybe you feel as if life is just too busy or it's not going well. Maybe you're tired, you're burnt out, you're stressed. Perhaps you're sitting here and and you just feel broken. But would you remember the glorious way in which God has blessed you? Would you remember the truths of the gospel in your everyday life? Would you pray and ask God to help you focus on him and not the things of this world? In the difficult and the great seasons of life, could we be a church that remembers and praises God with hearts full of awe, with hearts full of joy and gladness from the hope that we have in our Savior? And this isn't always easy, and maybe you're sitting here and, you know, this sounds difficult to remember. And if if you're sitting here thinking that, I want to encourage you to read your Bibles. Through reading our Bible, we can learn more about God. We can be reminded of the truths. We can be reminded about reality. So please, throughout your weeks, read your Bibles, pray, seek and ask God to help him to help you relate to help you grow in your relationship with him let us praise god but also let all the peoples praise him pray for god to to help us share this blessing with others that his saving power may be known to the people in saint john's see these people desired for god to be known They desired for people to know God and to praise him, for God to get the glory. They said, bless us so that your way would be known, your saving power. And you know, it's okay for us to pray like those kinds of prayers. In fact, I think we should. But when we pray, we just need to make sure that we pray for God's glory and not our own. That the ultimate end goal is for God's will and God's glory to be done. See, we can look at ourselves as the nations in the psalm, but there's also that aspect of where we are the new Israel. We are the us. And we have received that ultimate blessing in Christ. So we should pray that we can have help in sharing that blessing with others. In Matthew 28, Jesus tells his disciples to go make more disciples. 
we can pray that God will help us to make more disciples, that God will help us to tell others about Christ, share the blessing that we have received with others, and ultimately for him to get the glory in that. What would it look like to see all of our city gathered together with hearts full of joy and gladness and awe to sing to God because now, because now they know him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word and I thank you for your son and the ultimate blessing that you you gave us the gift of your son that he came to save that even though that we deserve punishment that your way is to save and that now through your son we don't have to bear that punishment through your love ultimately shown on the cross that we can be redeemed that we can have a relationship with you And God, I thank you for that. And help us now to sing with full of joy and praise. To really remember who you are. To think about the truths of your word as we sing. And Father, I also just ask that for the people in the city who don't know you, that they would come to know you. That you would use this church to see the people in this city know you and praise you. Oh God, would you help us to share your gospel. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.